Hello, and welcome to A Simple Prayer Podcast. This is Steve. I'm going to start this episode by honoring my mother. And there are three reasons for that. Number one, the Bible instructs us to honor our father and our mother. Number two, the fourth anniversary of my mother's passing is coming up just a little later this month. And number three, this story, as you'll soon find out, reflects rather poorly on both me and my mother. But the Holy Spirit is moving me to tell this story at this time. And this is the first episode in a series of just a few episodes over a few weeks that will tell the story of how I transitioned from a pagan to a Christian. And the centerpiece of this story is... I would use the word awesome, but it's it's so overused. But this was truly awesome. It was a personal encounter with a spiritual being who stands in front of God. Now, I had this personal encounter with this spiritual being in May of 1973. But today's story takes place much earlier in the late 1950s, I think probably 1958 or 1959. And today's story is one of those events that is formative in our characters and that stands out clearly in memory despite the passage of quite a few decades of time. So mom's in heaven now. I never did discuss this with her, but Recently, just a couple of weeks ago, the Holy Spirit granted me a vision and a dream of my mother. And my mother was there, but but there were two of her in front of me. My mother on the right looked pale and ill and just deathly sick. But the one on the left, my mother, my mother on the left was youthful and glowing and smiling and looking directly into my eyes. And there were no words exchanged, but I knew, I knew that all is well with my mother. And so that's part of the reason that I have to, the Holy Spirit is telling me to tell this story now. And if mom can hear me, and I believe she can, I want her just to know that I love her. So here we go with the story. Now this takes place uh, time-wise. If you've listened to the episodes on my Garden of Eden and on the serpent in my Garden of Eden, uh, then you know quite a bit of the background. This takes place in Westboro, Massachusetts, where we lived in the late 1950s. And this story takes place after those uh, first two episodes. My parents were both agnostics. Uh, They had both uh, rejected the church, rejected the organized church, because as young children, uh, religion had been forced down their throats, so to speak, and they just rejected it. But in Westboro, they joined a church. It was a Unitarian church, and in New England, the Unitarian church had a long history and an important history in the history of America. And this was just the quintessential New England church, a white building with a steeple. It was on a leafy tree-lined street in this little town, quite close to the few shops in the downtown area. My parents had become friendly with the pastor and his wife. 
And they very much enjoyed hearing his sermons while we kids were attending the Sunday school, which was most enjoyable, a lot of fun in the Sunday school. My mom had gotten involved in the local community arts organization, which was a lifelong interest of hers, of the arts. And they had a nice community uh, art studio where the ladies, and I believe it was all ladies uh, interested in art, would would go and enjoy each other's company and make things together. So mom needed time away from us kids to do that. And the, the pastor's wife came to babysit us, and she was a lady from Russia. He had uh, gone to Russia. Now, this was back in the late 1950s, and of course, uh, it was the Cold War, and it was a building to a crescendo at, at that time. But the pastor had gone to Russia and met this lady and married her and brought her back, and she learned to speak English. And I just remember her as the warmest, most kind, uh, wonderful person who took a great interest in, in uh, we three children. And I especially uh, remember her making us soft-boiled eggs. And, and we had little egg cups, and she would boil the eggs to a soft uh, texture, and then you would uh, take a knife and just crack open the, the top end of the egg and put some salt on it and knead it out with a spoon, and, and it was wonderful. Uh, these days, all my eggs are hard-boiled, but back then, uh, I loved those soft-boiled eggs. And she also taught me how to do some origami, and to this day, I can still make uh, one of her origami little things by folding a piece of paper in such a way that it turns into a chicken, and then by one swift maneuver, you convert the chicken into a boat. Well, it was in the fall of the year, but the season had peaked, the weather had gotten cold, the leaves had fallen, and and the, so the trees were stark and bare. So to liven up the season a bit, it was announced in the church bulletin that there would be a puppet show and that the puppets who would star in the show would be the winners of a contest to be held in the Sunday school and that the children were to make the puppets. Now, Mom, at that time, was in the throes of struggling with her attempts to quit smoking. So mom was a little bit of a nervous wreck, so to speak, uh, during that period of time, but she was finding an outlet at the community arts center. And when mom heard about the puppet show to be held at the church in the Sunday school, she got very excited. She had an initial meeting with us kids uh, with the intention of helping us make the puppets, but it quickly devolved into Mom doing the puppets. Our skills were just not up to the task at that time. and uh, But Mom had the skills, uh, she had the interest, and she could use the art studio over at the Community Arts Center. So the situation very quickly evolved into the, well, the bottom line was that uh, very soon the pastor's wife would be in our house babysitting we three kids and entertaining us with the origami and the soft-boiled eggs, while mom would be over at the community art center making the puppets for the children's puppet show to be held at the church. But what were the puppets to be? Well, that was easily answered because during the throughout the 1950s, uh, Peter Pan was a Broadway play, very successful in the uh, 
several editions starting in 1950. The, the, the most memorable edition was uh, starring uh, a woman, Mary Martin, as the impish little uh, Peter Pan. And she also starred in a Hollywood movie of Peter Pan in the 1950s. So Peter Pan was, was the rage. And not only the rage, but they were the inspiration for the puppets. So the, the puppets turned out to be uh, four in number. There were Peter Pan, there were Wendy, uh, Captain Hook, and the Crocodile. These were hand puppets. You would put them on your hand and you could stick your thumb and your little finger in two holes and wave the arms around vigorously. Captain Hook had a fierce countenance and an actual steel little hook on his hand and which he could wave about angrily when you put your hand in and waved his arms around angrily. And the crocodile had uh, holes inside his upper and lower jaws so you could make his mouth snap viciously as he chased Captain Hook around the table to the delight of uh, the puppets, Peter Pan and Wendy. Well, the time of the great puppet show was quickly approaching. But now, of course, there was a slight technicality that came to mind. Because the church bulletin had quite clearly stated that the kids, the children, were to make the puppets. Not their mothers, not their father, the children were to make the puppets. So the stage was set for Satan to make an entrance into the story because this, of course, is a conflict and Satan loves conflicts and he loves to step in and offer, offer a tempting alternative, which, of course, was to lie about who had made the puppets. And Mom was the most tempted of all because she had made the puppets. She had all this nervous energy from trying to quit smoking, and she had poured it into these puppets, and they were really great puppets. And they deserved to be seen. They deserved to be seen was the thinking at, at the great puppet contest. And to be the stars in the ultimate great puppet show at the church. They just deserved it. And we three kids got caught up in the excitement, and, and it was contagious, Mom's excitement about the puppet show. And so when Mom said the fateful words, make sure you tell them that you made the puppets by yourselves, well, how could we turn her down? Of course, there's an answer to that question, a correct answer, and that answer is to, to have said, sorry, Mom, we can't do that. We did not make the puppets. Now, would I have said that? Well, if you listen to the previous episode, uh, The Serpent in My Garden of Eden, then you know that I learned from an experience that's discussed in, in that episode that if I said something was true, then it was true. My father had taught me that. And I want to honor my father here, too, but I don't want to repeat that story. So it's, it's there uh, online, uh, the serpent in my Garden of Eden. But my dad had taught me, if I said something was true, then it was true. Now, I was the oldest of the three children, and it was Sunday. It was time for the puppet contest. Off we went to the church, and I was to step up and take care of things. So we got to the church. There was a large large table set up in front to receive the kids' puppets. So all the little kids went up and put their puppets on the table, and I went up with them. 
And at this point, I was uh, one of the older kids in that particular class. So I took the four puppets, Peter Pan, Wendy, Captain Hook, and the crocodile proudly up to the front and laid them on the table. I went back and sat down with my mom, my brother, and my sister. And we sat and we watched uh, in silent anticipation while the judges calmly and deliberately looked over all of the puppets that were on the table. So there was great excitement and tension and anticipation building in the room. But we had not quite understood what the procedure would be. There was no announcement of the winners. Instead, after their calm deliberation and viewing of the puppets, they went right into the puppet show. So now we had to sit and watch the puppet show and hope and wait that our puppets would be picked up and would play a part in the show. And it was an entertaining and funny impromptu show by the various adult Sunday school teachers. But our attention was not focused at all on the entertainment nor the, nor the humor of the show. No, rather it was focused on our puppets laying on that table. And puppet after puppet, other than ours, were selected and made their brief appearance in the show yet ours remained, and gradually during the show, disbelief came over us. What? They, they didn't select our puppets first? And as the show progressed, aren't they going to select our puppets? And as the show appeared to be drawing to a close, could it be, could it be that they're not going to select our puppets? And the show came to a close, and there was the devastating realization that our puppets, really mom's puppets, had not been selected. And as we sat there in disbelief, I remember mom saying, I can't believe they didn't select our puppets. And we all chimed in and agreed, yes, how could they not select our puppets? And I remember we shared a, a mutual feeling of surprise and resentment and anger that those puppets had not been selected. But while we had been sitting in mutual shock, expressing our disbelief to each other, the other children had been going up to the table to retrieve their puppets. And I looked up, and the table was almost empty. A few kids were still coming up to retrieve their puppets. And behind the table, there were two adult men, Sunday school teachers, they were dressed in white shirts and ties. They were standing together and talking. And one of the men was holding Captain Hook in his hands. They were clearly talking about Captain Hook. I walked bravely up to the two men, still feeling a bit angry and resentful. The two men saw me approaching they looked at each other. I walked up, silent. They handed me Captain Hook, and the other three puppets were right there on the table, so I picked them all up and started to turn to go when one of the men looked me in the eye and said, Did you make these puppets? And I said, Yes. But I didn't look him in the eye when I said that. I involuntarily averted my gaze. 
So that's the story of how I learned to tell a lie and stick to it, even in the face of disbelief. And this was a newly acquired skill that I was to gain additional experience in using. And I was to hone that skill and practice it and use it repeatedly and more and more often for what I considered to be my personal advantage. As we walked out of the Sunday school room of the church into the chilly fall air with the cold breeze and the gray sky and the bare trees, I had no idea of the ugly consequences to me that would flow from this small incident. Our simple prayer today is very short. Dear Heavenly Father, we read in the book of Proverbs, chapter 22, verse 6, Train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. Deuteronomy, chapter 6, verse 7, And thou shalt teach them diligently unto thy children, and shalt talk of them when thou sittest in thine house, and when thou walkest by the way, and when thou liest down, and when thou risest up. The book of Proverbs, chapter 19, verse 18. Chasten thy son while there is hope, and let not thy soul spare for his crying. The book of 1 Samuel, chapter 15, verse 29. And also the glory of Israel will not lie or have regret, for he is not a man that he should have regret. And the book of Titus, chapter 1, verse 2. In hope of eternal life, which God, who never lies, promised before the ages began. Dear Heavenly Father, we are instructed that we are made in the image of God and that we are to become and to make ourselves ever, ever more like Jesus, ever, ever more like you. Yet we are conscious upon reflection, upon past experiences of how far short we fall on so many occasions. And we look around the world today and we see how far the world is from you, the lies, the lies and deceptions everywhere. Dear Heavenly Father, please protect us, please guide us, and please teach us and help us grow ever, ever more like your beloved Son, Jesus, in whom there is nothing but truth. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.